Welcome to SpotCast, your single point of contact podcast for the service management and support industry. Brought to you by HDI, where service management and support professionals belong. Smarter service, better business, HDI. On the web at thinkhdi.com. I'm your host for SpotCast, Roy Atkinson. Episode 10 of SpotCast is an interview with Stephen Mann, Principal Analyst and Content Director at industry analyst firm ITSM.Tools, also an independent IT and IT service management marketing content creator, a frequent blogger, writer, and presenter on the challenges and opportunities for IT service management professionals. Stephen previously held positions at IT industry analyst firms Ovum and Forrester and at the UK Post Office. He's done IT service management consultancy, enterprise IT service desk and IT service management, IT asset management, innovation and creativity facilitation, project management, finance consultancy, internal audit, as well as product marketing for a software as a service IT service management technology vendor. Stephen was chosen by our community as one of HDI's top 25 thought leaders for 2018. Hello, Stephen. A pleasure to talk to you today. Hi, good morning. How are you doing? All right. One of the big questions that people in our community always have, and it's something they cite as a challenge, is about implementing new technologies. It's always high on the list of concerns, and a lot of times it's at number one. So why is this so difficult, and does it have to be difficult? I'll answer the first part of that question first, because the second one in terms of does it have to be this difficult is a bit of a tricky one. In terms of why it's so difficult, uh, the, the first thing that I normally talk to is the fact that when people talk about issues with implementing technologies or implementing technology or implementing a tool, that almost gives you the answer in the question in that, they're trying to implement the technology. They're not trying to do something differently to create better ways of working. Or Well, they are, but it's not necessarily implicit in terms of their focus. They're not necessarily trying to deliver better, better business outcomes. So I, I think the fact that the focus could be fundamentally wrong, um, probably not deliberately. It makes it sound as though I'm being mean about people or organizations, but you know, we can we can start off on the wrong foot, and that over focusing on the technology itself can be problematic. I always like to point to self service, for instance. Now that's a that's a great opportunity, and it's an opportunity that many organisations have uh, taken. But then you do hear a lot of war stories. You do see statistics related to low levels of adoption, et cetera. And it all comes back to the fact that they've implemented self-service technology. They haven't tried to create a self-service capability that employees or external customers are eager to use, that they find beneficial, that you know they're, they're offering something that is superior to sending in an email or calling up or accessing chat. So I think that really is one of the biggest issues, talking in terms of technology rather than what can be achieved through the technology. Second thing, and uh, it's interesting actually, uh, I was chatting to, to somebody last week about the enterprise service management report that you pushed out 
at the end of, well, I think it was at the start of Q4 last year. And the stats showed that a lot of organizations had adopted an enterprise service management strategy or they'd uh, used their technology, their ITSM technology in other parts of the organization, and they'd reap some significant rewards. But the question that talked to whether organizational change management tools and techniques were employed didn't seem to reflect the level of success in that you would have expected there to have been a a heavier investment or a higher frequency of adoption of organizational change management. So I would normally point to that as being one of the reasons why new technologies are implemented and they don't necessarily meet up to people's uh, expectations or the promises that they've been sold in with. But I don't push it as much now, I think, since reading your your report from there last year. I don't know whether that surprised you as well, Roy, that is it a case of mm, maybe maybe we're a little bit too focused on that or maybe it's a case of with IT service management tools now that more and more of them are, are very intuitive, very um, consumer-like in their operation. So, So maybe that's not one that, is as high up as perhaps it was. I mean, I I still flag it because I still think if you're going to try to get people to change the way that they work, then you really do need to focus on um, how best to get them to move from where they are now to where they need to be. And a big part of that is the what's in it for me, as well as trying to suppress what is going to be the only natural um, feeling of Uh, I I suppose, a level of dauntedness. I don't even know whether that's a word, but some trepidation as to whether the change is going to be uh, adverse or negative to the people involved. So that's the second thing, you know, not actually dealing with the people change correctly. And then the third thing, I could keep going, so let's, let's just keep this to three. I would go for RFPs, the list of requirements that are, probably not necessarily used for smaller organizations, but larger organizations normally have that uh, potentially cumbersome uh, tendering process. And here's 500 things just related to change management that we need the new IT service management tool or solution to do. I'm still of a mind that it really takes people or takes their focus off from what's important. And really it ties into my first point about understanding what needs to be achieved, that we can get bogged down as to whether, from an instant management point of view, whether tickets can be opened once closed, that sort of thing. And and ultimately, you know, I, I've said it so many times over the last decade that, you know, if we ask the wrong questions, we're going to get the wrong answers. So is it the implementation of the tool that is wrong or problematic? Or is it actually the tool selection that's wrong or problematic? So, so there'd be the three things that I would attribute um, the ongoing issues that people and organisations have with implementing new technologies. Now, as to whether it has to be, I, I mean, the answer has to be no. But I guess what we need is a, a fundamental rethink collectively that takes us away from the status quo and the way that we've always done it so you know do we really want to issue rfps with 500 thousand data points that are all yes no answers or do we actually want to start questions 
asking questions of, of vendors that relate to what we want to achieve. Excellent points all, Stephen. And one of the things that I think some people in the industry have really started to talk about, and I think of Patty Blackstaff for one, I think of Kaz Ferris uh, for another, they have realized the importance of organizational change in the overall picture, especially when we're talking about things like project failures, right? What usually, or what oftentimes anyway, makes projects fail is the fact that they don't create that organizational change, that culture change that has to go along with. You mentioned enterprise service management. There are many names for it. Enterprise service management is one. Rolling out service across the business and the way that we think about, we've been traditionally thinking about it in, in IT, delivering services to other business units. If this expansion is in the plans, what should they look for and what mistakes do organizations make when they're looking for new service management tools? Let's try and limit this to, to three, maybe, maybe four. I, I think the first thing to do is to try and elevate oneself from the bits and bobs of IT service management. So the capabilities are important. The minutiae of what you do with uh, different uh, incident statuses, say, uh, not so much. So, it, so it's a case of understanding what we actually do with enterprise service management. And just as a, as a brief sidestep to that, we call it enterprise service management. But if you tend to look at what a lot of organizations actually adopt, it's the use of the common IT service desk or IT help desk capabilities in other parts of the organization. So if you want to be uh, pernickety, you could probably call it enterprise service desk, but maybe that has different connotations. So I think we have to be careful when we talk about enterprise service management in the same way when we talk about IT service management, that in an ideal world, it would be so much more than the service desk. So dealing with requests for help or information or service or change, say, um, that we could actually do so much more from an enterprise service management perspective in the same way many organizations still could from a, an IT service management perspective. Translating that into the needs for a tool, the same applies as to before. You know, what are we trying to achieve rather than does it have these 500 things? Now, there are going to be some probably right to call them functional requirements. I was, I'm an NR in my own mind there, you know, whereby you're going to need the ability or capability of handling different parts of the organization um, separately from each other, but also having perhaps a single front end. Uh, you might want to stick with a, an IT self-service portal, say, and an HR self-service portal and a facility self-service portal. But realistically, if you think about what should be the right way to do it, you should have an employee self-service portal. And it doesn't matter what you or I or anyone else is looking for. We should start off from a single point and the technology should be smart enough to guide us in the right direction or even not even tell us what the right direction is to take our need or our requirement and, and push it to the right people or the right piece of automation or the right knowledge articles, you know, whatever, whatever we want solving. So, so, so really the first thing for me is, is sort of understanding what you want to achieve 
rather than getting lost into the weed got lost into the weeds as we might do with uh, a traditional IT service management RFP but also recognizing that there are going to be things that that are going to be needed to be understood and to be there to differentiate different tools so another one for instance is the flexibility of the tool and I think we've spoken about this for, for years, really, that if you're trying to encourage an HR organization to adopt your IT service management tool, they're not going to want, not going to, want to see screens that talk about incidents. Because, you know, in, in my mind, incidents are things like uh, burglaries or uh, security incidents, rather than the fact that somebody has an issue with something and, and, and they want help. And, and then probably thirdly, on, and, and I guess I'm still on the first point really, is the intuitiveness that, and this is probably a gross generalization, that I tend to think that we in IT are probably far more, um, I don't know what the polite word is, we're able to better cope with things that aren't necessarily as easy to use as perhaps they can be. As I said, it's a gross generalization. So when you're looking at your solution and having it adopted by HR or facilities or legal or marketing or security or any other part of the organization or even external customer support, you know, a, a tool or a solution that really is easy on the process managing user as well as on the customer um, is going to be beneficial. So, so being focused and, and quite disciplined around what you ask of the tool is is probably the first thing the second thing and I, I probably touched on it already or i think i have touched on it already is that it shouldn't be a case of forcing what we currently do in it onto other parts of the organization that it should be quite an organic thing uh, a pull as well as a push such that we end up with and it ties into the organizational change management stuff, I guess, as well. You know, we end up with something that people want to use rather than they feel that they're being forced to use. And that goes to customer experience, right? It's they, they have to want to use it and have a good experience using it. And funny enough, you've, you've just stolen my third. The third thing was exactly what you've just said in that, okay, you've – you, you can see the tool on paper, you can see the tool in action, but what you really want to see is it in the wild. So beyond case studies, so you know, going and talking to, to different customer, sorry, vendor customers who've used the tool or solution to take IT service management or service management or just best practice out into other parts of the organization to, to get a feel as to how well it's worked and importantly, what worked, what didn't work, and you know what mistakes can be learned from, such that you don't make them yourself. And then my fourth point, I, I I didn't know what the four were going to be when I started talking, but I'll limit myself to four. The fourth thing that I think is worth talking about is whether you want to call it future proofing or not, because how far away is this stuff in reality? The newer technologies or the newer capabilities that will be brought on board with different IT service management tool vendors and, and their solutions. Um, you know, they'll, they'll all have different product roadmaps uh, for some vendors, say, um, chatbots and 
other machine learning type capabilities are already here and already they might not be in, be, be being sold they might well they might be being sold but a lot of the time they're with um, trial customers um, but we'll I think we'll see a lot of it in 2019 that different vendors will be bringing on board new capabilities particularly chatbots or virtual assistants and it's it's a case of why share something to the rest of the organization that doesn't necessarily have that capability or isn't planning on having that capability for a good few years in that the benefit you're going to get from sharing the the good or best practice and the technology is then going to be um, held back somewhat by not necessarily having access to many of the things that both IT and other parts of the business are going to be wanting, if not demanding over the next few years. So, So making sure that if it's not here already, that there are plans for those new capabilities, probably backed by, as say, machine learning or other AI technologies to to be here sooner rather than later. And I think most most of the major IT service management tool vendors will be bringing stuff out already if, if they haven't done so during 2018. Going back to something you said a little bit earlier on about how maybe there should be one portal where all employees can go and get what they need from that one portal and I, I was thinking that that's an area where things like natural language processing and AI can really help out because they can point the request or the, the question in the correct direction easily and seamlessly if they're properly integrated into the tool's capability. So that, that's something I, I think we're going to see a lot more of in, in the near future is that kind yeah. of AI assistance. So. That's a good thing. Yeah. And and I nearly confused myself whilst talking about that because my mind jumped ahead to it and I thought, I, I'm a bit rambly anyway. If I start to talk about that in the midst of everything else, it's going to be even harder to follow than, than, than usual because even though I was talking about portal, my mind was thinking, well, we don't want to take people to portals anymore. We want to bring the information or the help to them. And then whether that's a mobile app or uh something that you can swiftly access from the taskbar on your PC or Apple device. Just just make it easier for people to access. I mean, it might even be voice-based, but we don't want people to have to choose one of five apps or to verbally say, um, I want help with a human resources issue, blah, 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 blah. Please tell me how to. And then let the technology decide whether it's HR or facilities or IT or security or, or, or anything else. So as you say, the under, understanding that, that the context of, of queries such that whether you want to say it's, it's more dynamic or more responsive, there's probably many words you can use to describe it. But ultimately making it, and uh, it's, it might seem cliched, but I've used the word a few times in the last few weeks, and I'm beginning to like it again. You now, to take out the friction in terms of these transactions, it, I think it was an overused word, and it's dropped off. So I, I feel comfortable using it again. That we need to make these um, interactions as frictionless as possible. When we think about the emerging technologies of AI automation uh, and, and everything associated with those, this is certainly one of the bright spots. And, and I think it's in a, in a way unfortunate that. One of the contextual assistants that popped up very early in the technology world was Microsoft's Clippy. 
<laughs> who had a tendency to interrupt us. But I think that type of of contextual help can really be that good user experience if it's done right and the user has control over how sensitive it is or how it, how it interacts with them. So when we're talking about all this stuff, this is all bound up in that big concept, which is digital transformation, which is, for me anyway, it's kind of a nebulous term. What comes to mind for you when somebody talks to you about digital transformation? I think it's three things. In fact, four things. I seem to be on three and four. The number's three and four today. Usually I'm on the number five, but uh, for some reason I'm on three and four. Uh, there's, there's the three parts to digital transformation that, that jump immediately to mind that whilst many people will think of or talk about or write about, the fact that digital transformation is about new products and services and revenues, of course, that come from the exploitation of technology and data. And it doesn't necessarily have to be new technology. And then the second part is improving customer engagement mechanisms, again, using technology and, and data. But the third part still, still worries me somewhat that it's easy to forget that whilst we're improving these front-end or front-office capabilities that we also need to improve the back-office. So there's the back-office transformation as the third part of digital transformation for me. And in many ways, I think it's very similar to enterprise service management in that you're using the technology. You're also using new ways of working to try and better how we operate, you know, they're better, faster, cheaper, if you want to look at it from that point of view. And a, a big part of that is increased automation, removing the reliance and the potential slowness and errors that we can um, talk to when looking at uh, overly manual operations. But the fourth thing that springs to mind is that Whilst we talk about it as digital transformation, and I mentioned technology, I think, three times there in the three points, that as with the first question around implementing new technologies, that we forget that ultimately it's a people change as much as it's a technology change. And in fact, it's less likely to be successful if we forget about the people side of things. So we come back to the, the thinking and, and, and the work that people like Karen Ferris, you mentioned earlier, put out in terms of how can we better manage these changes to our workforce and the way that they work, the environment, and, and just helping them to transition from where they are now to where would I ideally like them to be. So, so whilst it's digital transformation, I suppose we can't really call it business transformation or people transformation because people might then forget about the technology. But, you know, we can't win with digital transformation without bringing the people along or even perhaps bringing new people in that help with the desired future state. So so people would very much be the, the fourth part of that for me. Where does an organization, let's, let's say I'm in an organization and we're thinking about Enterprise service management, at least in, in, in the broadest sense, we want to provide better services and we want to kind of unify our services. And, and, and for me, one of the big advantages of doing what's called enterprise service management is the commonality of data. Mm -hmm. If you're using a similar tool or the same tool across the business, 
you've got a data pool that gives you much better, you know, 360 degree view of the people who are consuming your services, et cetera, et cetera, and makes it easier for people to get information that they might need about what's going on in the business because of that common data pool. From your perspective, where should an organization start? And you talked about, you know, establishing the goals of what you want to achieve. So what what is the beginning of that whole process of trying to get to the tools that you want to have that will accomplish what you, what you want? I, I might be going over old ground somewhat, so forgive me if I do, but trying to understand where you're heading to and where you want to be, you know, whether you want to talk strategically and in terms of vision, or maybe more uh, basically relative to specific capabilities that you might want to improve or capabilities that you want to introduce or drivers that you need to react to. So, for instance, you might be focused on um, increasing uh, the customer experience or improving the customer experience, I should say, or the employee experience. Now, having a, a finite number of things that will ultimately become your critical success factors, those things where you can actually say, as and when you're, whether well, you might, I would say when you finish, but these things probably never finish. It might be 25%, 50%, 75%, 100% through, and it keeps going beyond 100%. You're able to keep checking that you are heading in the right direction, doing the right things, delivering the right things, achieving the right things, and then course correcting as necessary. So you do have that larger structure or framework within which to understand how well things are going. So so that to me would be the first starting point. But in doing that, you'll then probably find that you have a starting point before that, in that the only way you're going to understand that is to consult and have many conversations with probably quite a wide range of different people within the organization particularly if we're talking enterprise service management rather than it service management so whilst the starting point is that we need to work out what we want to achieve where we want to get to in order to do that you've got to have the conversation so i don't know roy (laughs) which one you would class as the first thing because what I said was the first thing. I think is the first thing, but you have to do things in order to do that. Maybe there, maybe there's some things to do in order, in order to achieve that. In, in order to achieve that, that first thing. So that consultation and collaboration and and getting to that agreed purpose. Or, um, yeah, I'm going to come back to vision. Sometimes I can be very funny with words, and when I say the word vision these days, it it seems a little bit I don't know, a little bit woolly even though it shouldn't be. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I've seen or read so many visions in my uh, in my work life that uh, they can become a little bit, I don't know, I want to say gaseous, gaseous, however you pronounce it. Um, so, so that would probably be the first thing that I would do. Um, second thing would probably be to, or sorry, would be rather, probably would be, would be to actually create some mechanism to understand how well we're actually doing. It might seem to seem a little bit cliched, but you know, I wouldn't want to move one step without knowing that I'm moving one step in, in the right direction. And, and then thirdly, 
I think we've mentioned it at least twice now, ensuring that we really are appreciating that it's ultimately not a technology project. It might even not be an ITIL implementation project. It's some form of business project that involves people and ways of working that just happens to leverage technology and leverage good or best practice and, and maybe other things as well. So I don't know whether you wanted one or you wanted a few, but they'd be the three things I think that I would definitely pay attention to. I would like to thank you for your time today, and I will undoubtedly talk to you soon. All right. Cheers, Roy. Thank you for listening to this episode of SpockCast. You can subscribe to SpockCast on iTunes Podcasts, listen on SoundCloud, and read text excerpts at thinkhdi.com. I'm your host for SpockCast, Roy Atkinson. Until next time, take care.